Thank you, Brother Darren and guys, for a great job. It's uh, good to have Brother Aaron uh, on vacation, get a little rest and get ready, charged up for the new year. He's going to have a busy year this year. I understand we're going to have another one of those uh, uh, plays where you eat and uh, play and sing and all at the same time. So I'm excited about that. Christmas is going to be here before you know it. Uh, if you need to know my size, if you'll get with me later, I'll tell you what that is. I don't guess you need to know it then. Thank you for tuning in with us and for being here this morning. Look, if you would, at the eighth chapter of the book of Acts, Acts chapter eight. It's easy to stray off course. Uh, it just gets real easy. It's easy to stray off in a marriage. It's easy to stray off course in a business or in a Christian to stray off course. It's easy to stray off course in a church. I read about a man who stopped at a flower shop to order some flowers for his mother and she lived 200 miles away and he was going to have her some flowers wired to her. And as he got out of the car, there was a little girl sitting there on the bench and she was uh, crying. And he said, honey, what's, what's wrong? She said, well, I wanted to buy my mother a rose, but it's $2 and all I have is 75 cents. And he said, no problem. Come on in here. I'll buy the rose. We'll settle that. Don't cry. No problem. So after he had wired the flowers to his mother and bought the rose, he asked the little girl if he could drive her home. She said, you could drive me to my mother. That would be wonderful. And she directed him to a cemetery. She left the car and went out there on a newly dug grave and put that one rose down for her mother. He got her back in the car, took her home, and he went back to the flower shop and uh, canceled the wire flowers got him in person and drove 200 miles to see his mother and give her the flowers sometimes we need to be reminded of what's really important to us and uh i don't know it, it happens to me more and more i don't want to admit it but have you ever been in a conversation when you said that now what were we talking about uh <laughs> What, what, I lost my train of thought. Where were we? <laughs> well, it's easy to stray off course and forget what we're talking about. When it comes to being a Christian or part of a church, it seems like the further we get down the road, the easier it is for us to get off course. Uh, I want to tell you, folks, there's not a plan B or a plan C. God only has one plan of the gospel. That's it. One plan. In my estimation, the 21st century church is going to impact this generation to come. We're going to have to get back on course. We're going to have to regroup. We're going to have to go back to some basic things, whether people like them or not. We're going to have to go back to some basic things. Uh, the average Christian and the average church has strayed off course, and we need to regroup and get back. <coughs> In Acts chapter 8, there are two great extremes. Verse 1, the Bible says there's great persecution. Verse 8, the Bible says there's great joy. That's two totally different extremes. Uh, now, the persecution, you go back to Acts chapter 7, and, and Stephen has been stoned to death. The Bible says in verse 55 of chapter 7, he being full of the Holy Ghost gazed into heaven saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. 
throughout Scripture, we see Jesus sitting at the right hand of God over and over again. But when it comes to Stephen being stoned, he looks up into heaven, and Jesus is no longer sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's standing in honor of Stephen. I want to tell you, we may think we're alone, but God has never left us nor forsaken us. The Lord Jesus Christ, when we are following his will, he's standing with us, and he's never forsaken us. Look, if you would, stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says, Acts 8, 1, Saul was con consenting unto his death. He's talking about the death of Stephen. And at that time, there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many that were possessed. With them and many taken with palsies and were lame were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Father, this morning, Lord, help us to have great joy in this service. Lord, uh, we ask you to have your will and your way in each one of our lives. May the message be simple. May it be understandable. May your Holy Spirit have the power and the authority to press it deep within our lives. And, oh, God, would you change people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. There are some biblical principles here that are critical as we get back to basics as a church and as a gospel in the 21st century. And I want to just go over some negatives of the gospel, some no, 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 you don't do that, or no, 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 this don't happen. The first one that is evident here is that the gospel has no executives. No executives. It's a no-no to think you've got executives. Now, uh, we see that by who is scattered. Verse 1 says Saul was consenting, he was approving, or he was agreeing to Stephen's death. And at that time, great persecution arose against the church. They were all scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. You remember what Jesus told the apostles back in Acts chapter uh, 1? 1 verse 8, just prior to his ascending into heaven, he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and uh, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost end of the earth. Well, they did receive that power in Acts chapter 2. And there have been thousands saved in Jerusalem. And that's important. Now, they've been scattered. They've been saved in Jerusalem. That's the home base. Folks, we've got to see people saved at the home base. Uh, with, this church is only as strong to help missions and to help evangelism 
as we are as a home base together. The stronger we are as a home base, the more we can reach out to people all over the world. And so uh, they receive that power. Verses 1 through 7, chapters 1 through 7, deal with uh, them being reached in uh, their home in Jerusalem. Now beginning in chapter 8 through 12, they've carried the gospel throughout Judea and Samaria. Now here's the deal. What Satan meant for evil, God turned it around and made it good. They said, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to snuff this bunch out. Now, the Bible says Saul went house to house, committing them to prison. Uh, let's wipe them out. I mean, while we got them on the run, let's we'll knock them down. Let's wipe them out. And all of that knocking down and wiping out scattered them all over the countries. And then they spread the gospel. That's the glorious thing. The gospel was spread. Now, you notice who was sent. The Bible says every believer except the apostles. Every believer except the apostles. Now, the Aramaic-speaking native-born apostles, they remained in Jerusalem. It was the Greek-speaking Jews, the foreign-born that were in the crosshairs here. They just stoned to death the first one there, Stephen there. And then now uh, they're thinking, let's get rid of the rest of them there, hunt them down. And they were scattered except the apostles. Now, don't miss this because it's an important part of getting back to the basics, getting back to the basics for the 21st century church of how we present the gospel, and that is this. There's no big shots. There's no executives. There's no big shots, no executives. Every one of us in this room today, you are challenged to present the gospel. That's, that's our God. That's our goal. That's what we want to do for the glory of God. Now, <clears throat> those who were sowing the seed, the gospel seed, were not the preachers, not the apostles, but those who were members of the church at Jerusalem. So the gospel has no executives. It is part of our getting back. Somebody said, well, I thought that's what we hired the preacher for. Well, number one, you didn't hire the preacher. You called the preacher. Don't tell anybody, but I do what I do free. Uh, but, but don't tell anybody. Uh, you didn't hire me. God called me. And I'll be honest with you, I, I'd be a liar if I sat up here and said, I wanted God to call me to preach. That's the last thing in the world I wanted. I, I, some of you who know a whole lot more than me, I'd love for you to be up here. Except God didn't call you up here. He called me. Why? Ask him when you get to heaven. That's all I could say. But you, you can't pay me to do your witnessing because we've all been called to share Jesus. Every last one of us been transformed. <clears throat> you see, every follower of Jesus in this New Testament church was a minister. Every follower of Jesus was a missionary. Every follower of Jesus was a witness. Now let me go on to the next idea. Every follower of them was a minister. Every follower in this New Testament church, if you've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, you are a minister. Every person that's been saved in this church, I don't care if you're eight years old, if you've been saved, or if you're 90 years old, or if you're 30 years old, it doesn't make any difference. 
If you've been saved, you are a minister. You are a missionary. You are a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I didn't tell you to say what kind of witness you were. I didn't say what kind of minister you were, what kind of missionary you were. But I'm just telling you, God is holding you accountable. You're responsible for sharing the good news of the gospel. That's your job. That's our responsibility, but it's also our privilege. The gospel has no executives, no big shots. Let me tell you the second thing here. The gospel has no equal. Now, we can see that by what they preached. The Bible says, therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Hmm. Preaching the word. Why would that be so important? Because I want to tell you something, this word is, is not negotiable. Now, I want you to stop for a moment because we've got a lot of younger people in this congregation, got a lot of younger people in this church. And I just want you, I want to plead with you as a pastor to not fall for the fads of the world. I'm not down in any other church or any other group. I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying that young people as a whole have it in their mind that anything that's old or anything that's traditional or anything that's set in stone is just not good. And I'm telling you, that's a lie straight out of the pits of hell. The Word of God is not negotiable. They preach the Word. Now, young people, we can change music. We can change hairdos. Just look back at some of the pictures in the 60s. I don't even, good grief. The only good thing is I had hair, but that's about the end of it right there. We can change a lot of things, but we cannot change the Word of God. That is non-negotiable. The witness, the church that's going to win people in the 21st century is going to be the church that preaches the Word of God. And the word preach here is not like I'm doing today. It's an everyday lifestyle. Every day. You need to be every day living for Jesus. They're scattered. They went about everywhere preaching the word. And the New Testament church only had one message. They didn't go about saying, well, you need to learn the Ten Commandments. They didn't go about saying, well, you need to learn all about eschatology. They didn't go about learning about all of the discipleship. They had one message, the good news of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you something today, folks. This world don't need a lot of the, it's not junk, it's good stuff. We ought to be growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. But this world doesn't need a whole lot of that right now. What this world needs is a little bit of good news. In the middle of all the bad news, somebody needs to tell them, hey, there's a Savior who loved you, died for you, rose again, is alive today, and desires that you be saved. There, there's, no, there's no equal to the Word of God. They went preaching the Word. No wonder Paul told Timothy, in 2 Timothy 4, 2, to preach the word, be ready, instant, in season, out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. No wonder Hebrews 4, 12 says, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, 
1 Peter 1, 23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, through the word of God which lives and abides forever. I want to tell you there's no equal to the word of God. I love testimonies. Brother Darren was talking about it. Tell me the most exciting thing. I love that. But be sure when you're telling that that you slip a scripture in there every now and then. Because this is the only book that we're promised, guaranteed, cut and dried, that when it goes forth, it does not return void. This is it. This is it. This right here. When they went to the market, they were preaching the word. When they went to work, they were preaching the word. When they went out to eat, they were preaching the word. They were people sharing Jesus. And when somebody decided to follow Jesus, he transformed their lives. They not only began serving him, they began sowing. Now, I'll be honest. This is one of the greatest church, the greatest church that I've ever seen on serving there's a servant spirit a servant attitude bless god you you serve man have mercy and i want us to be just as dedicated to sowing as we are to serving uh, philip went down to the city of samaria and preached christ to them you see that word preach that's the everyday lifestyle uh, it doesn't refer to like preaching to a group it's lifestyle evangelism. Brother Tucker's done a tremendous job in educating us and, and uh, training us in evangelism. I, I'm all for that. I'm for evangelism initiative. I'm every bit of all that. But let me tell you, that's not going to win this generation to Christ. What is going to win this generation to Christ is when we, I'm talking all of us, decide we're going to let Christ live through us. That we're going to, instead of acting like the rest of the heathens act at the job, we're going to act like a Christian. That's what's going to change the world. That's what's going to win the world. The only message that can save a soul, the only message that could save a home, and the only message that could save our children is the message of the gospel. That's it. Nothing else can do it. No wonder Paul said in Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believeth to the Jew first and to the Greek. Every believer, every member, every Christian was taking Jesus to the community. Now, I know you're sitting there thinking, I'm not going to do it, preacher. I'm not biting. I'm not, you're not going to get me hooked on that. I'm, I'm a quiet person. And I'm, I'm not going to do it. I, I, I can't go up to somebody and say, hey, you know, are you a Christian? Or go up to somebody and say, hey, if you died today, where would you go? I'm not asking you to do that. I'm asking you to do two things this morning for this next week. Number one is be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. If you're not going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, nothing else works. I mean, just, just cut to the chase. Trying to live a good life for Christ. I get so sick of people who quote that scripture. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. He'll whip you up one side and down the other is what he'll do to you. That scripture says submit yourselves to God and resist the devil and he'll flee from you. 
When you get filled with the Holy Spirit every day, you won't have to go looking for somewhere to witness. God will open the door and send them to you. All I'm asking you to do, I'm not asking you to start a conversation. I'm just saying when God sends somebody to you and, and they say something like, man, I'm so tired, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this world. And you say, well, the only reason I can make it through this world is because of Jesus Christ. I mean, isn't that simple? I'm not asking you to be a great orator or a great personality. All I'm asking you to do is when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you pray, God, you send me the people you want me to witness to today, when they start up the conversation, you just finish it up. That's all you got to do. That's all. You say, well, you're not going to lead many people to Jesus that way. That's above your pay scale. You can't lead anybody to Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. See, we've forgotten that everything in here is supernatural. This whole, the whole gospel is supernatural. It breaks my heart. We're, we're living under the authority of Scripture. If you're a child of God, this is your authority. It's not the preacher. It's not your husband or your daddy. It's the Word of God. This is your authority. We're living protecting the unity of the fellowship. This church and the fellowship, the kingdom of God, is more important than any person in this building. I don't care who it is. We've got to reach people with the kingdom of God. You're living in loving one another, forgiving one another, being filled with the Holy Spirit, sharing Jesus with others. Breaks my heart to see churches across America. One day, the multitudes were being saved. Today, they've strayed off course. Nobody's being saved. I was at churches before when, when nobody's been in a baptistry in four years. And you think, how does somebody preach 52 times a year on the morning and 52 at night and then 52 on Wednesday and nobody, nobody can get saved? In the last 50 years, Southern Baptist have started uh, 13,000 new churches in America. There are now 47,000 churches, Southern Baptist churches, not counting independents, not counting fellowships, not counting non-denominations, 47,000 Southern Baptist churches in America. We started 13,000 new ones in the last 50 years. We baptized fewer, far fewer, in 2021 than we did in 1954. In 1954, there were 6 million Southern Baptists. In 2021, there were 16 million Southern Baptists. And yet we baptized with 16 million less than we baptized with 6 million. Now, you and I both know that there's a lot more people on the face of the earth today than there was in 1954. Can you begin to kind of see the Scripture being fulfilled when it says, few there be that enter in? See, when you're talking about 8 billion people on the face of the earth right now at this time, if, if a billion of them is saved, which is a big ton, 
you, mm, you do stretching it. But you're talking about a small crowd going to heaven and a big crowd going by the way of hell. That's why we've got to witness to them about Jesus. Wherever the early church went, they were telling people about Jesus. They were telling people about it. The gospel has no executives. The gospel has no equal. Let me close out here. The gospel has no exclusions. No exclusions. This crazy Philip. He's crazy. Stephen's just been stoned. Now, he's a deacon. The Bible says back earlier to look out among you and find seven men filled with the Spirit of God. You want to think, now you may not think there's a difference, but now listen, if they were instructed by God to find men who were filled with the Spirit of God, that means you could tell the difference between a person filled with the Spirit of God and one who wasn't filled with the Spirit of God. Hmm. I wonder if they were looking around in here today what they'd find. So the first deacon, he's, he's martyred. They carried him to the grave. The second deacon is Philip. He's a missionary, and that idiot has gone down to Samaria. He's gone to Samaria. They don't like people in Samaria. They're half-breeds. They're no good. If a Jew was even going north, he would go around Samaria, wherever it was. He would go way around, way out of the way, so he wouldn't have to go to Samaria. And yet the Bible says that Philip went straight to Samaria. Now, we don't know what, what I, I know what this has to tell us, that there's no exclusions to the gospel. There's no restrictions. There's no boundaries. There's no limitations. You see them four girls sitting right up there? Hey, girls, look at me, Sandra. Look at me, wave at me. These are four of God's special angels right there. Amen. I praise God for them. I praise God for them. I, I, I think that's what heaven is going to be like. We're not going to have no prejudices. We're not going to have no feelings. We're just going to praise the Lord. We're just going to praise the Lord. He came for all. He died for all. He arose for all. 2 Peter 3, 9, God is not willing that any perish, but all come to life to repentance. And that includes the Samaritans. The gospel is a whosoever gospel. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You say, yeah, but preacher, uh, this is, this is a guy coming to our church right now. He's trouble. He's trouble. He's trouble. I tell you, he's trouble. Well, you are too. I'm looking at a lot of trouble in this place. If Jesus can change you, don't you think he can change somebody else? Now, if they come and they're not changed, we're going to find that out. Not everybody who says they're a Christian is a Christian. It's like not everybody in this church. Man, you can have inner feelings and inner. You say, well, nobody knows that. God knows every one of them. God knows exactly what your heart is. You may fool the preacher and you may fool everybody else in here, but God knows exactly who you are. 
in what you stand for. Hmm. I wonder what Philip preached to the Samaritans. I mean, I know the Bible says he preached unto them Jesus and preached Christ unto them. So I know he preached the gospel. But I want, I mean, preachers don't start out just with the gospel. You've got to have a starting point. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the woman at the well. Maybe he reminded them that there was a time when Jesus came by to get some water. And a lady was there. She was a prostitute. She was living with a guy that she wasn't married to. She'd been married umpteen times and still wasn't married to this guy. And Jesus said, if you knew the kind of water I had, ooh, you'd drink of it and you'd never thirst again. Hallelujah. And she went back all over town saying, come see a man who told me everything I, I, about me. Come see a man. Come see Jesus. I, maybe. <laughs> maybe he reminded him of the time that James and John wanted to call fire down from heaven on Samaria. And Jesus rebuked them and said, no, 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 no. It's not going to happen. I, I want to tell you what I've learned in my life. That wherever you find people coming to Jesus, you will always find joy. We were sitting around talking, and some of our people, they were a little disappointed in children's camp uh, because we didn't have more people saved. And I said, guys, you've you got to remember this, that while we're in here, every Sunday that rolls around, We've got Sunday school teachers teaching about salvation. We've got children's church teaching about salvation. We've got scripture memory teaching about salvation. Our kids, uh, I, I'm just going to shoot straight with you. There are some churches that never get to hear about the plan of salvation unless they're having a revival or Bible school or camp. Our people hear it every Sunday. We, we don't have to wait till one time a year to get them saved. They get saved all during the year. And then they're blessing it at children's camp. That's a glorious thing. In northern China, one Christian woman, they were having an evangelism training seminar. There were two sessions to it. One session this day, the next session the next day. One woman decided that she could not attend the second session. And she wrote her teachers saying that she was too busy to come back. Now, I know what that's like as a preacher. When somebody says, I'm just too busy, Brother Charles. I'm just too busy. I'm too busy to come to church. I usually say, well, you're just too busy then. She said, I'm too busy to come back. Everybody kind of was upset over it because training's important. Classes are important. The seminars, they're very important. But in the following 10 months, this one lady they discovered who was too busy to go back the second night led 4,000 people to Jesus personally and helped start 60 new churches in China. She was too busy, she said, to go back because her cup was so full at the first session she knew she couldn't do anything other than what she learned at the first session. 
So she took off that day to do what she'd learned to do. I was sitting on my back porch last night, and I thought, hmm, maybe if we spent more time going instead of talking about going, we may get more results. Maybe if we spent more time going instead of writing about going, we'd get better results. Maybe if we spent more time going and, and less time teaching about going, or, or maybe going to seminars, maybe we could see the same outpouring of the gospel here. I believe with all my heart, God wants us. Guys, I, I'll be honest with you. I'll just share my heart with you. If, if I didn't believe that this church could have a major impact on this community and on the lives of young people and children in the next generation, I would have already retired. I would have. I would have already given up. Said, hey, hand it over. Let's go. Let's travel. Let's enjoy life. But I believe with all my heart that if there's only one church left and one church that stands on the Word of God and one church where members will be a witness to Jesus, I believe with all my heart God's going to bless us. He's not going to let us down. He's a, don't, don't worry about what might happen to us. Let's worry about what God might do through us. Everybody's worried about what's going to happen. Man, I don't know about y'all. My, my electric bill this month was $608. Was it 608 or 628 Yeah, it was over $600. I thought, well, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to pay it. We're going to live in air conditioner. If I have to go to some deacons and rob, the, rob a deacon, I, I tell you, we're going to pay it. But then the first thing the devil says is, well, just wait till next year. I thought, oh, Lord. I hadn't even thought about that. I remember, I got to quit. Uh, I remember when we were building this building. We had all the money set up and designed to build this building and to, to open this building. We were running at the most 250, 300 people when this building was built, somewhere in that area. One night, the devil woke me up. It was the devil. I'm going to tell you, evil always comes from the devil. The devil woke me up and said, you know what? You got all this money designated. You're going to build the building. There's over 20 new air conditioners in that building that you didn't have. And I thought, good Lord, how are we going to pay the electric bill? When we opened this building up, the electric bill was cheaper on this building than it was on our last little auditorium. That's not now, but it was then. <laughs> I'm just telling you, let's let God have his way. Let's just do what God wants to do. I mean, God, I've... I don't want to spend my life just spinning and beating the air. I want this church to count for something. I want it to be a major cutting-edge church. I want people to be saved and families together and unified and happy 
and trust in the Lord for generations to come. Father, we praise you for who you are. We praise you for what you've done for us, how you've blessed us over and over. Lord, I'd ask you today, maybe there's somebody here that's never had a relationship with you, but today, they know enough to know that they're a sinner and that they can't save themselves. They need to be saved. Lord, would they come today where there'd be great joy in the house. I pray today for those that need a church home. They've been lingering, but this is where God wants them. If that's happening, God, you, you just show them the way. Lord, uh, whatever you want to do, we trust you, we believe in you, and we're excited about what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen.